Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Josh. And uh, this week, I guess we didn't lose? Yeah. We just beat North Texas, right? Sure. <laughs> we just needed one extra week to celebrate beating UAB. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Hey, yeah, shout out, shout out Universe for that, I guess. We didn't have to get sad about tech football this past weekend. Yeah, instead we actually got to be excited about a couple other things. The first of which was Tech Bowling, I think, restarted this weekend. They at least had a tournament at the Lambright where they had a pretty good amount of success. Isn't that right, Evan? Yeah, so Tech came into the weekend ranked in the top 25 in bowling, um, and they were hosting the first ever Louisiana Tech Invitational there at the Lambright on those little bowling lanes that they have back there. I mean, they're regular size lanes. I don't know why I called them little, but you know. You know what he meant. And Tech, they went on a tear. The Texters went on a tear. They won their first six games, um, eventually losing their first one to, to the number two ranked team in the country, Vanderbilt. And that set them up for the, uh, I guess the way bowling tournaments work, at least in college bowling, is Friday and Saturday, you kind of play each team. And, and then whether you win or not, decides if you get into the championship bracket, which happens on Sunday. And so the Texters then beat Vanderbilt again on Sunday and advanced to the championship match where they uh, unfortunately fell to Sam Houston State. But their performance, uh, they went 7-2 and two overall on the weekend, and that was good enough to get them up to number nine in the country. So uh, right under our noses, we got a, a top 10 team here in, in Ruston. Yeah, I think we're a bowling school now. <laughs> I think it's, it's how that works. I'll take it. I'll take anything I can get. Another sport to talk about really quickly, baseball released their schedule this week. Oh, and was that this week? Holy crap. I think it was this week. It was November 5th. <laughs> wow, so, that was only yeah. four days ago? Oh my goodness. This, uh, the schedule looks so good. Oh man. Just to talk about some, let's, let's say the away opponents first. We have at ULL, of course, at Tulane for a weekend series. That'll be nice. Um, and then some conference games, and then also at LSU in a midweek battle and ULM and Northwestern State, apparently. But at home is where the schedule gets really interesting. We have Illinois at home to open the stadium up with a weekend series in February. We have uh, Southern comes for a midweek, or that's a weekend series. Then McNeese, but then also Army, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Wow, yeah. Man, what a we, get, we get a full three-game series against Arkansas and then a two-game midweek series against Ole Miss. I mean... That is that is good shit. Like shout out whoever's in charge of making the baseball schedule. I don't know if it was Tommy. I don't know if it's uh, if it's the coaching staff. But man, good Ooh. good shit. Um, hopefully, I can make it to a lot of those games. That'll be great. Oh yeah, yeah. And Tech closes out the season at home against Rice, which just brings me back memories of the last time Tech closed out the season at home against Rice, <laughs> where they swept the Owls for the first time. Good stuff. Also been swept in like ten or twenty years. Is Rice uh, back to being good again, or what? I have no idea. Baseball never happens. So, (laughs) yeah, last year was kind of a wash, but I think I think you know the conference. And we'll do a preview later, obviously. But the conference, I mean, Southern Miss is really good. FAU is really good, and I think we're really good. And Rice is at least okay, but. We'll, we'll get into that later. And of course, Nathan is the resident baseball expert. So I'm sure he'll have some thoughts in February when we preview all this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got thoughts now, but we have already <laughs> too much to preview with. We're yeah. going to get to the basketball preview in a second. And then we have a football game this coming weekend to talk about, too. But before we get to that, 
Let's do the one other thing we do before we get to all our preview stuff, and that's talk about the dogs that are in the NFL. Evan, you want to start us off with some Bulldogs in the NFL? Yeah, I'll give you three right away. Sneed, Driscoll, and Boston Scott all did not play this week. Sneed because he's still injured, but he is uh, back at practice now, so he's off IR. Should be back. uh, I think they might have a bye. We're missing our Chiefs expert, but uh, I think they have a bye, and he'll be back in a couple weeks. But Driscoll uh, was the backup, and Boston Scott also had a bye week. So those three guys, no stats. Yeah, but we actually have more than the normal amount of guys that had stats this week. Amik Robertson recorded a solo tackle. Hell yeah. He played six snaps. Nice. Too. So, I mean, that's one for six, I guess. Sounds like he's getting. I don't know if you can really do that math. But. Sounds like he's getting eased into the game plan, but I don't know. I'm not John Gruden. Yeah, I mean, rookie cornerback might as well start him off a little slower. Uh, Vernon Butler, he got the start at defensive tackle, I think, for the second game in a row and recorded a tackle for loss. And, and the- Justin Ellis got an assistant tackle. Yeah, and then Jay Ferg also picked up three for the Ravens, three three solo tackles. Um, Xavier Woods, again, played 100% of the snaps, which is, I mean, I guess that's to be expected now. He had four solo tackles and two assisted in their close, close loss to Pittsburgh. And then rounding it out, Trent Taylor had one catch for nine yards and returned one punt for 13. The load receiver standing for San Francisco. How did he only have one catch? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't know, but apparently, uh, who was the coach over there? Um, Shanahan? I, I don't know. Yeah. But apparently, they really, he really likes Trent Taylor, so he stays on the roster and stays starting. But He likes to throw him um, out there, but apparently the quarterbacks, yeah, apparently don't, the like quarterbacks him, don't like him. <laughs> apparently, he's their slot guy, which I guess every team needs a slot guy. I don't know. My team doesn't pass the ball. But now we're to talk about a different sport entirely. Let's talk some hoops. Hoop! Yeah. Wow. It's already basketball season almost. That's crazy. Yeah, like two weeks. The season starts on the 27th, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Back into this year has really flown by. Like That's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so to start out, Tech lost uh, Day-Day Bracey, Derek Jean, Mo Muhammad, and Oliver Powell. So going to miss you, Day-Day. Yeah, those are those are four pretty big names, big contributors in the past. Oh, man, Jean's so. gone, too. Feel like he was there for 12 years. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> Derek Jean may have been there when I was there. I don't think he was, but he was there <laughs> it when seems I was like there. he was. <laughs> I think he was there when I was there, and I've been gone for a while. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. who who do we have coming back? Let's start out with that. Yeah, I mean, we're missing some guys going into this year, but, I mean, this year hasn't even started yet, and I'm thinking about what happens next year because we oh, have gosh. seven seniors wow. on this good. team. We have Amori Archibald, Kayla Ledoux. Ledoux, it's been way too long since basketball has happened. <laughs> to remember how to pronounce names, even. Jacoby Pemberton, Andrew Gordon, Xavier Christian, the X-Man, as Dave Nitz likes to call him, Xavier Armstead, and Kale Walters, all that's, returning as seniors. That's Wow. That seniors well for a good team this year, in my opinion. It does bold well, or it does it does. It does. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of experience on that team. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just with the seniors, that's that's a pretty good look there for this year. Next year is scary, but we're not in next year yet. Oh wow! Actually, yeah. Looking at this, mm-hmm. yeah, we actually have uh, another senior that I didn't include on the list, uh, Lane Hartley, who appeared in six games last year. He's a senior. From Bipsy. Oh. But we also have one junior returning in Stacey Thomas and two sophomores in Isaiah Crawford and Kobe Williams. Less exciting thinking hey. about going forward, you know? Kobe Williams and Isaiah I mean, Kobe Crawford Williams make to me, me excited. Is. But, whew. And we have some transfers and incoming guys that we'll talk about in a second. 
that I'm I'm pretty excited to see. But in terms of returners, Evan, who are you really the most excited to see back on the court? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys here that jump out. You know, Triple A, uh, Amori Ultrabald, um, Caleb Ledoux, you know, is coming off winning the sixth man of the year in conference. But my choice ultimately is going to be Isaiah Crawford. He's, you know, six foot six sophomore. And last year at the beginning of the year as a true freshman, he looked really, really good. I mean, he was kind of dominating games at times. And then I think in December or maybe early January, he tore his ACL, unfortunately. So as long as he's back and up to speed, you know, because that can that can take some time to heal properly. But as long as he's back, I'm really excited to watch him again. He's that two-way player that fits really well with Tech's run-and-gun style of, of forcing turnovers at one end and then scoring in transition at the other. I mean, he kind of fits that that mold of a – he could have been here when Mike White was here, you know, like that kind of player that we still kind of go for, but we've kind – you know, Conkle's a different coach, but we still like to, to steal and play full-court press and that sort of thing. So he brings a lot of energy to the floor, and I'm very excited about him. Yeah. Any of these guys stuck out to you, Josh? Uh, it's, I mean, for me, it's gotta be Xavier Christian, you know, uh, he had that whole issue with, uh, I think his heart, right. Yeah. And he had to, you know, kind of take a step back from the team and you know, kind of rehab and get his body ready. But, uh, he showed some flashes when he came back last year, but I'm really hoping like he kind of like Isaiah Crawford, that he kind of returns to form and, you know, really gets going this year and shows his full potential. Cause it'll be exciting to see him play again. Yeah. That, I mean, he, he was really, really good before, you know, he collapsed, I think, a couple years ago, um, I guess in the 2018-19 season. I mean, he was actually leading the team in scoring that year before that happened. So, I mean, it would be really, really great to see him come back and hit a stride again as a senior. Yeah, my pick is going to be Kobe Williams. Just as a freshman last year, the ability to immediately come out, make a difference. And Tech has had a lot of players in the past that look like they're having a lot of fun while they play. And it's, he, it kind of helps. Oh. Kobe Williams is exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to put it, I guess. Yeah. It's just, it's so much fun to watch him play and to think if he can get be even better in a sophomore year is crazy to think about. For sure. Once again, I'm getting my hopes up for tech basketball. Hope it <laughs> here, here I am. <laughs> I just hope they play this year. That's all I got for now. It's a year that starts in a two. So we're always going to be excited about tech basketball <laughs> and probably let down by the end of the year, but we'll see because some newcomers will try to come in and help boost the Bulldog basketball program. One transfer and a trio of freshmen. The transfer is Jace Bass. I keep wanting to say Jace Bass, but he's a guard from Long Beach City College in California. He averaged 30.7 points per game for his JUCO last year. That team was ranked number one. Yeah, let's actually sit on that for a second. 33.0.7 points per game. You know what? Tech's leading returning scorer from last year. Guess how many points? It's it's Ledoux. Guess how many points per game he had? Uh, like 18? 11.6. Whoa, boy, okay, yeah. we were a slow <laughs> team last year. Goodness gracious. I mean, I don't know. That, that's just the returning guy, so I don't know. Maybe, but Day-Day's not really a scorer either, so I, I don't know. I mean, look, 31 points per game is a lot of freaking points. Yeah, and they were a good team, too. I think that's part of it. It's one thing to be a bad team with one good player who <laughs> you're not going to win, so you might as well just let him shoot as much as he wants. But uh, Long Beach Community College was ranked number one and the CCCAA, or what I'm going to call the Triple C Double A, before Base Bass suffered a season-ending athletic association. Uh, Jace Bass would be a wild name. That's I keep on wanting to call him Jace Bass because that would be a great name. Jace Bass is, I mean, not bad. Yeah. But. I now dub him the Big Fish. 
But even better than his possible name, most importantly, he shot 80% free throw percentage. Oh, I love it. Wow. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it. And uh, Nathan, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I, I want to make sure we mention he did have a season ending injury. So that 30.7 points per game, I think, was through like maybe half the season. 16 games into into the season is I when mean, that happened. So 16 games is a decent sample size. Yeah. Yeah. Decent enough to impress me with that number anyway. So, I mean, I'll take that. And then alongside him, we'll have some freshmen joining the program. First up is Tyland Elder. He's another guard. This Good one name. from Allen High School in yeah. Texas. That's Big a great name. Big high school. He led his high school to a District 9-6A title. I'm not sure how you actually say it. I'm not a that's, Texas sports that's, guy. That's right. Okay. Uh, they won their first high school. They won their, That high school won their first district title since 1992. Hmm. So he seems like a pretty good fit since Tech hasn't made the tournament Me since too. 1991. Good year. Good year. <laughs> yeah. Is that, when you, is that when you were born, Josh? Yes, yes. It is, it is when I was born. Yes. Oh, well, I was born before that. But anyway. Yeah, uh, man. You're so old. Yeah, I mean, he, he was really impressive in high school. He was the district MVP as a junior. Um, one district offensive player of the year as a senior. So kind of continued his great play. He shot 42% from the field and 35% from three. So, I mean, this is a guy that should be able to come in and provide some depth at the point guard and at the at the two position, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, dude looks like a bonafide scorer, so he might even impress us, you know, coming, coming in this season. We may be looking at a freshman that is playing significant minutes here. Yeah, another freshman that be, may be competing for starting time is Kenneth Lofton Jr., a six foot seven forward from Port Arthur Memorial High School, and also in Texas. Oh man! In his high school, is that a good high school? Oh, I'm just I'm I'm seeing his stats in comparison, and I'm getting real excited about this guy. <laughs> yeah, he was listed at 240 pounds in high school, but on Tech's roster page right now, he's listed at 275. This is a this is a very Ooh. large guy. Yeah, that's a big old boy. Oh, man, I'm just imagining this dude just banging in the paint. Oh man. But here's the thing. He he's he shoots well from the field, 64%. That's really good. But even more impressive, this very large man has shot 33% from, so the, from three-point land. That's oh, so wow. Good. Damn. Like 33% from a forward is nuts. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially with a 64% overall, because that suggests that he's getting a lot of his shots from inside the paint, right? But also shooting 33% from deep, I mean... That's like that Zion Williamson first game in the NBA, just like just like shooting four three pointers for the hell of it, you know. Goodness gracious! Yeah, but making them all. Yeah, I mean, maybe he only took three shots and he made one of them, but still, that, <laughs> that's an impressive stat. Uh, and he wasn't unnoticed either. He was rated as the third best senior in the Greater Houston area by whatever this is, RCS Sports. I don't know what that is, but he averaged ten rebounds per game as well and had thirteen double doubles on the season. Again. High school basketball, you never know how they'll translate to the college game. Same way with football and pretty much every sport. But yeah, it looks pretty promising there. Yeah. Also, to be noted, he is not the son of Kenny Lofton, the baseball player. Just, That's, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the son of someone else named Kenny Lofton. Anyway, the third, the third freshman we have coming in is another Kenny, Kenny Hunter. He is a forward from Huntington High School in oh, yeah. Shreveport. So just hitting Josh's areas here um, pretty much exclusively. Very excited about this guy. 
Yeah, he's six foot nine, uh, 235 pounds, and in the high school game, he averaged 19 points, 12 rebounds, and two blocks per game. Also put up 15 double doubles. So, I mean, that's a really good incoming really trio, good. I think. And uh, and it's worth noting here that a there's a a preview site called Three Man Weave that has Hunter as a three star recruit that might make uh, a big impact this season. So they, they also say that Lofton will have the biggest impact of the trio in their freshman year. So, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and take shots of the dark about it too. Of these four newcomers to the program, Evan, who are you most excited about? I'm going to take Kenneth Lofton um, junior, of course, not his dad, however, wherever he is, um, you know, he comes in with decent size there at six foot seven um, and his numbers from the field are really, really good on offense but I think he's going to earn some minutes with his defensive play because, you know, outgoing, we have Derek Jean, who was all CUSA defensive player last year and probably the years before that too. I mean, he's been great on defense for four years. So we'll need some of that defensive prowess on the floor. And I, I think that Lofton brings that, but also we're missing Mo Muhammad, who was very, very good on the boards last season. And so we're going to need that rebounding as well. And Lofton with his 13 double doubles and averaging 10 rebounds a game in high school. I mean, that's the way he's going to get himself on the floor is, you know, getting those boards. Yeah. My pick going the other way is the guard transfer, Jace Bass. Uh, We're replacing, like you said, Derek Jean and also Bracey. We've got two huge guards to replace. Of course we got Archibald coming back and, and he's not alone either. And especially if like Xavier Christian can return to what, how he looked as a freshman before his uh, health situation, but 30.7 points per game <laughs> yes, even at the Juco level is, is just so insane. Yeah. But also as someone who writes about tech basketball occasionally, I'm tired of writing about free throw percentage. Oh God. It's and so the fact that he's right, he's shooting 80% may get people to shut up about it. Please so don't make Nathan read another five-part series on free-throw shooting. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I got um, transported back in time again. I got frustrated at people again. Josh, who's <laughs> your pick? Uh, I think I might have already shown my hand, but it's uh, you know, it's going to be Kenny Hunter. Like I was really excited when he committed and everything. I remember kind of reading up on him, watching some of his uh, tape, I think. I think I saw it on Bleed Tech Blue. But, um, you know, he's the number three prospect coming out this year in Louisiana. You know, the number 41 center in the nation according to 24 7 and that's that's Man. pretty good for tech that is honestly. good i know it's you know basketball is more about you know getting your guys that you like in, in your system but i mean when you have a chance of getting a recruit like that you got you got to take it i mean for us that's good but uh you know I, I re, especially with gene gone we really need a big defensive presence and i feel like he's going to contribute a lot to that you know he he's good he, he a lot of double doubles he can rebound he can score decently and he you know he blocks i love me a good block and you know our boy Kenny Hunter is you know six foot ten. You know who else was six foot ten? Hey, that's literally I just googled how tall Michael Kaiser was. And Michael Kaiser is six foot ten. Because I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Yeah, that height and then the weight is is similar he's enough. He, he seems like he's gonna be a little bit more of a muscle, uh, muscly. Because Michael Kaiser was just really rangy and long, but this this guy Hunter has has a little bit of weight on him too. So Michael Kaiser yeah. is so exciting to watch play Ooh. attack and i i hope kenny hunter can play like in a similar vein that would that would be amazing yeah oh yeah that's that's why i'm very excited also we have a good in. track record with people named kenneth so hopefully those two the two kenneths we have coming in maybe that's our main recruiting strategy here <laughs> is your name kenneth do you like to play <laughs> basketball well we have a place for you 
<laughs> it's worked out in the past, so might as well work out in the future. And yeah, those players that we just talked about will be playing a schedule that I believe is reduced by four or six games because of COVID things and the season starting off late. Uh, some teams coming to Ruston, though, out of conference, UT Arlington, Northwestern State, ULM, Southeastern, Jackson State, and Lamar. Meanwhile, Tech travels to LSU, ULL, and ULM, both of those UL twins. Uh, how do we feel about the schedule, knowing that it probably is not the easiest year to schedule basketball games? Well, I hope we uh, demolish UTA. Um, yeah. That's my biggest priority coming off the top. UTA is paying my bills right now, man, but fuck them. <laughs> anyway that's right yeah I, I mean i think that i don't know who was supposed to be on the schedule and basketball scheduling is a lot different from football where you know things kind of get thrown together before the season sometimes um so who knows what we would have had on the schedule for this year but every game on, on our out of conference slate is either them coming to us within a four-hour drive or us going to them within a four-hour drive so i think it's pretty clear that the you know, we're not really thinking about like trying to make an at-large berth this year. Like, no, that's probably not going to happen for us anyway. So we might as well just be safe, save money, you know, take buses instead of planes, that sort of thing. So, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy schedule too. I mean, outside of the LSU game, the highest rated Ken Palm team we play before conference slate is number 158 and we're number 110, I think. 109. 109. So, yeah, I mean, LSU is number 37, but yeah, I mean, it, it should be a pretty good slate to get us warmed up and ready for conference play. Yeah, I mean, at least this year, none of our opponents are not ranked in Ken Palm. So that's, you know, a step in a direction. <laughs> yeah, we're not playing uh, Southeast Arkansas FCS Bible and... College or whatever. I mean, if, looking at it, you know, outside of the LSU game, which is, you know, just a, you know, a way to get things moving. I mean, the toughest game we have is like, you know, Marshall and Western Kentucky with that back-to-back series, which... Oh, yeah. At least Marshall's at home. Yeah, uh, Nathan, did you have any thoughts on the out-of-conference slate before we go into conference play? Yeah, I mean, same as what y'all said, basically. Just so much you can do during COVID times. Yeah, the schedule isn't as great as it was in the past, but you also lose six games. Yeah. there are, Every team loses that, that period of time where uh, number 34 Indiana, like last year, wouldn't have an extra game to schedule the Bulldogs to come up that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it works both ways as well as when it comes to trying to figure out who you're able to play. And most of these out of conference games are at home and the ones that are away are in state. So I, I see no problems with this other than the fact that Ken Palm lists ULL by the wrong name. That is true. They do. <sighs> but a couple, couple other things to talk about when it comes to the schedule, there is no pod play this year in conference USA, which was, I'm not sure if it was officially announced, but it was probably on its way out this year even without the coronavirus. Yeah, I don't uh, think it didn't seem to do what it was supposed to do. I'm still okay with trying new things, but yeah, I mean, I think it would still take a perfect storm, which is the problem with it, you know? Yeah. But, and and last year, we don't know if it would have worked last year because I mean, it probably wouldn't, but if there's a dominant team in conference, that's looking great. Like those years that MTSU, you know, was, was dominant in conference. If they had lost you know, if that had happened last year and MTSU ended up losing the conference title game, you know, maybe we get two berths because of that scheduling stuff. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But now it's gone anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it would have been interesting to look at to see how things would have changed in the net rankings after last season. But yeah, it would have been nice. It's never got played, so we'll never know. 
But one thing that is changing this year because of COVID-19 is that Conference USA games, instead of being a Thursday and Saturday game where either you travel to two different teams or you invite two different teams to your home arena, the games will be played on back-to-back nights or days, Friday and Saturday, and it will be the same opponent in the same location. So, for example, Tech opens up conference play against Marshall at home. So they'll play on New Year's Day and the day after New Year's Day that has no fancy name, January 2nd. (laughs) They'll play both nights against Marshall. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about it? I've seen some people really, really hate this move. I've seen some people go, well, I mean, it's coronavirus. What do you want to do? Try to make so this as easy as possible. The, fir- the first change is that you're playing, you know, back-to-back games against the same team in the same location. That was the first change they made. And I, I thought that made sense. I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of having to play Marshall in back-to-back games and West- Western Kentucky in back-to-back games. But, I mean... It makes sense as far as COVID goes to just say, look, we're going to limit the travel. You know, Tech is going to travel to Western Kentucky and play two games and then come home, right? You can keep the team in the bubble at the hotel. You don't have to worry about an extra day. You don't have to worry about like going to practice on Friday. And and then, then of course, they, they lowered it down to the back-to-back days, I guess, to limit the amount of travel days, like nights in the hotel and stuff, which, I mean, I, I, I hear the arguments about, players needing to recoup and stuff. But ultimately, I don't think the athletic directors would have agreed to it if they thought that was a huge issue. So, And tournaments are played like four or five games in in four or five days. Yeah. I mean, you may have to play four games in three and a half days in the tournament. So, you know, uh, I don't think this necessarily gives anybody a a real advantage. Um, I think it's... Maybe deeper teams? If you have a deeper bench? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of sucks because like, if we're just cold going out to UTEP, you know, on fr- on a Friday night, well, guess what? We're probably going to be cold on Saturday too, right? So it's like, you know, you don't have that extra day, but and, and normally you'd you'd go to like you'd go to UTSA on Thursday, and then you'd be out in UTEP or in El Paso on Saturday. So it's different. Everybody's going to have to adjust, but at least everybody's doing it, and it's not just you know one or two teams being forced into this. What do you guys think about it? I don't love it. But I don't I don't hate it either. I guess I have really no strong feeling for it because it's it's like what what else can we do? You know? Yeah. It's it it might be tough, you know, but also, you know, it might be good to get us in that, you know, back to back playing and get get us used to playing, especially against Marshall and Western Kentucky, playing these big games back to back. Cause that'll in my mind only help come tournament time. Cause like you said, when the tournament time comes, you're playing these back to back games for what, three, four days in a row? Yeah. So I don't know. It's if anything, it gives you practice, but right. I mean, it gives everybody practice. So I mean, you know, where tech has struggled is, you know, in the tournament. So hey, maybe so it works we out won't better win for a us. single conference game. <laughs> well, I this year you gotta win something to get in the tournament. Yeah, right? you gotta win something to get in the tournament this year. <laughs> yeah, to talk about the teams that tech will face this year, at least in the regular season at home, we have those two game double header. Well, I guess they're not double headers because they're two different days. But Marshall, UTSA, UAB, and Rice travel to the Tech. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs will travel to Western Kentucky, UTEP, Southern Miss, North Texas, and Middle Tennessee. So if you were counting, we have four home series and five away series. Uh, I, I think the USM one technically is a home. It's it's a, a, way oh, it's on a home and away on January right. 28th and a home game on the 30th. So I guess You're that right. was their You're way of balancing me. it out. Um, I think that's usually the case is that we split one series and. 
Yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about, you know, the draw, the conference draw? <sighs> I mean, it's tough for us, I guess. I feel like we drew the tougher part of the schedule because we know Marshall and Western Kentucky are going to be good. We know North Texas will probably be pretty good. And then we also got UAB, UTSA. Yeah. <sighs> those aren't, you know, e- those aren't easy wins. So I, I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll be something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To uh, look at the Ken Palm rankings. So number one is Western Kentucky, then Marshall, then Old Dominion, North Texas, Tech, UAB, UTSA. At least we missed Old Middle Tennessee after that. The only one of those top was at eight teams, six teams, whatever. I can't count now. But the only one that we don't play is Old Dominion. But more importantly, I think, is the fact that we play Marshall and Western Kentucky to start conference play. I mean, we could legit start 0-4 in conference. And then we play UTSA, and they're good too. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, they still have that. Uh, do they still have that one guy playing? Yep. They Javon sure do. Jackson? Yep. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, Marshall's at home, so that that's helpful, but it's still an immediate yeah. throw to the fire. That that to me is the, the huge scheduling quirk that could make or break this season is the fact that we have our are really, really tough. The two toughest teams will play all season or on back to back weekends. And we play yeah. them twice each. Yeah. yeah like I mean, you said, we don't get a break either going to. Or playing UTSA at least. Oh, yeah, UTSA is good. I mean, my, my thing, I saw the conference media pick Tech 7th, um, which ah. I guess it's mm. it's fair because we lost so much of our, our production. And, you know, at first I was like, man, what the hell? Why would we finish 7th? Like, we're still going to be a good team. We've got a solid base. We do have some some returning talent, right, and, and some good incoming people. But really, I think what it is is that Everybody else got their star players back. I mean, think think about the names that we know from last season. And these are all guys that we're playing against this year, too. Uh, Tavion Hollingsworth and Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. Yeah, they're back. You know, we lost <laughs> we lost Derek Jean. We lost Day-Day. We lost Mo Muhammad. Uh, uh, Hamlet from North Texas. Oh, yeah, he's back, too. Jivin Jackson from UTSA. Yeah, he's back. So the only player on all CUSA first team last year that isn't back this year is Day Day. So like Day Day was the only senior on the first team uh, all CUSA last year. All all of those guys I just mentioned, yeah, they're back and we play them. Some in you know some in back to back weeks to start the conference. So yeah, and I think that, another thing to look at too is so last year Ken Palm going into the season gave Tech a rank of 110th. So believing they were 110th best team in the country. And that was second best in CUSA. This year, we actually have improved nationally. So now we're 109th and nice. we're the fifth best team in CUSA. Not nice. Wow. I mean, we fell hey, three spots that's what we by want. going up one. That's what we want, though, yeah, right? No, CUSA is more competitive. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think last year, like North Texas shocked a lot of people, right? Last year. And they're ranked just ahead of us at 103. But ODU, which feels like they're not even in our conference, is is at 99. Then you got Marshall at 96 and uh, Western at 81. So, I mean, that's good ultimately because if we want to get to a two-bid league, which I think everybody wants, you know, we need to we need to be placing multiple teams in the top 100, like three or four teams in the top 100 to start things out. But So good for the conference, but kind of sucks for us, I guess. Yeah, it always feels like that's what we say when it comes to – early season, either football or basketball scheduling talk. It's like, oh yeah, Tech is playing the first conference game of the year and it's away and it's at Western Kentucky who's supposed to win the conference this year. Or we have the no Thanksgiving home game, or we have the game at home on Thanksgiving. 
I'm not trying to pull the CUAB hat out right now. But we could. But At least we get we, could. we get them in Rustin. <laughs> That's fair. It's not so much a, a, a stab at UAB itself, but it's more that scheduling decisions don't usually go in the Bulldogs' favor when it comes to this conference. Yeah. And some of that's just luck. Don't have the best of it all the time. But some of it also feels maybe a little malicious. But <laughs> I'll take off my conspiracy hat right now because we're heading to the Rice preview section. I've never been conspiratorial about previewing the Rice Owls. Hey, uh, Rice is food. Did you want to make predictions or no? Uh, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. But before we get conspiratorial about the Owls, let's uh, let's wrap this up really quickly with some predictions of how we see the season going. Evan, how do you think the Bulldog basketball team will perform this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be weird, right? I, I think we've learned that in football. We just had a game canceled, what, on Thursday? Um, so there's going to be some some missing games, some road trips we don't go on, that sort of thing. But this back-to-back game day thing is going to be is going to be a little rough at times, you know. Uh, we may catch teams when they're really hot and just get get blown through, or we may we may get lucky and have a down weekend for a team. But Ken Palm predicts us to finish eighteen and eight, and I do think they're missing the LSU game in there for some reason. But I don't know. I think I think four or five losses in conference in regular season is probably where I'm at right now, um, which would probably put us around twenty and. 20 and six or something like that, 20 and seven, maybe depending on how many games actually get played. And it's all going to come down to the tournament as usual. So ask me again in March, I guess. Yeah. uh, Pretty much where I'm at too. I'm really kind of curious to see how playing the same team two nights in a row, not just for tech, but for all of conference USA affects things because let's say you, you lose a very close game the night before. Does that make you more likely or less likely to win the next day? As, as someone who looks at stats and numbers a lot, that that to me is the most interesting thing is how well do you respond to a loss and come back the next day and play the exact same team? Or if you get blown out, how do you respond the next day? And I think a lot of that comes down to how well the team is coached and how well prepared they are because you can get blown out and just it not be your night. But if the coaching is there, you can turn it around. So Tech may host Marshall on New Year's Day and just get obliterated. But knowing Marshall's a good team, and if Conkle is able to command the troops the way that he's been able to in the past, may come back and, and beat them the second game. Or because Marshall may be a better team than Tech this year, maybe they beat us in both games pretty handily. Or the same thing for Western Kentucky or, or whoever on the schedule, whoever the surprise is out of Kusa this year. So, I mean, it's way too early to predict anything, really, especially in a COVID year when you have no idea what's going to happen. Who knows? What this what the country will look like on February twenty seventh when Tech plays its last <laughs> basketball game, but yeah, I I don't see a game on the schedule that Tech can't win, which sounds like me previewing football. But the lowest win percent chance Tech has is against Western Kentucky away, and even that's only a six point loss that Kempom predicts in both of those games. So yeah, how many games do we play? Was that twenty six? Tech goes twenty six and zero. Nice, Josh. What's your prediction? Uh. I don't know, man. I'm not going to do a whole spiel like that because I'm just here for comedic relief. But I mean, in terms oh, of 26, you know, yeah, oh, 26, <laughs> baby, book it. We're losing uh, to Jackson State. All right, man. I just <laughs> I don't know about overall record. I don't see us finishing at fifth or seventh in conference. I mean, yeah, we we lose a lot of we lost some key guys, but we returned a lot of talent this year. A lot of a lot of talent. So, I mean, I, at worst, I see us finishing, you know, third or fourth in conference. So whatever record that is, you know, 
19 and nine, 19 and seven. I don't know. I don't know what math is, but uh, yeah, I think we'll be a, a sneaky good team this year. I mean, we that's, avoid ODU. That's a lot of seniors on the team. There's a lot of talent, Josh. Yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of minutes returning. You know, they may not be starting minutes, but a lot of minutes are returning. Hey, maybe we maybe we finally win the conference tournament. I don't know. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> let's talk some rice really quickly. Rice. As we, we get towards... rice. We're talking jasmine. We're talking rice. So, Yellow rice, brown rice, come red on, man. beans, and or <laughs> we talking jambalaya? Come on, doesn't matter. Tech will eat it. Yes, they have so far, as when it comes to history, at least. Tech leads all-time series against the Rice Owls. At least I'm not sure about the other kinds of rice. Nine to four, and currently have a six-game winning streak against nice. that team. Nice. This will be Rice's third game of the year after starting late due to COVID, and also having a game called off last week against UTSA. Yeah, I'm told uh, that was because of UTSA, not because of race. So the outlook and and our game was postponed apparently because of North Texas. Um, although I did hear that Tech had some problems too. So outlook for this game is good. So let's go ahead and preview it and not waste our time like we did last week. Yeah, Rice has looked impressive though so far this year, and that's not just Nathan being Nathan about it. The two games they played, granted, they were not great teams, but they took Middle Tennessee State to overtime. That was the quadruple doink game. They lost <laughs> that game to MTSU, but then they had a convincing 30 to six win two weeks ago over Southern Miss and their second game ever of the 2020 season. Yeah. I hear you that they're, they've been slightly impressive. However, MTSU is not very good and rice rice should have won that game. So rice should be two and the quad doink thing is ridiculous. And that would have won and them hilarious. the game because that was in the, yeah. Oh, definitely hilarious. But that was that was at the end of the first overtime. So if that had snuck through somehow, they would have won the game thirty-seven to thirty-four in overtime instead of losing it forty to thirty-four in double overtime. And then they beat Southern Miss and their interim interim head coach. So I mean, I don't know how impressed I am by that, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, you sound a lot more certain of how you feel this game will than most of the polls. FPI gives Tech a fifty-four point five percent chance to win massey's not much better at 57 percent chance to win with a three-point margin of victory 31 to 28 is what they predict for the bulldogs but vegas vegas who as known to love the louisiana tech bulldogs favors rice by a point i i do not understand any of this tech just beat a very good team in mm-hmm. uab rice beat a awful team like probably the worst team in college football right now is, is southern miss because they you know, they have an interim, interim interim head coach. Like, what do you want from them, right? But, uh, man, MTSU's not good, and they lost. Like, I, I don't see Rice being favored by one on our home field. Are you kidding me? What is that crap? Anyway, that's that's my take. Getting it out early, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about this Rice team before we get – before I predict them to win, like you know I will. <laughs> on offense hey, – you picked Tech scored... to win, like, the last four weeks when we all picked them to lose, so I guess it's yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tech has finally won a game. I can stop being overly optimistic about things. <laughs> the Owls have scored 32 points per game. Uh, that's right around where Tech is in the standings. It's about 45th, 44th in the nation. Uh, kind of a middle of the pack passing attack, but they do have eight passing touchdowns in two games. That's because of the TCU transfer Michael Collins, who does actually have the highest yards per attempt in Conference USA with 9.1. That's pretty But again, good. he's played two games Small and a lot of others. Against real bad teams. I'm not impressed. Tech has no. a pretty good secondary, so I don't know. He uh, leads the conference in pass for efficiency rating. 
I'm just going to keep just just after everything Nathan says, just I'm thinking that I'm not impressed. I'll tell you if I am impressed. How about that? Okay. Are you impressed by this, though? Austin Tramwell, Tramel, the leading receiver, only 10 catches. That's not a lot of catches for your leading receiver through two games. But here's his average yards per catch with, again, 10 catches, 21.9 yards per reception. All right. All right. You got me. That's pretty impressive. Exactly 50% of his receptions have resulted in touchdowns. Damn. So he only has 10 receptions? Wow. 10 catches, 5 touchdowns. I mean, yeah, that that's impressive, and that scares me because of what um, – what's that guy? Tim Jones from – Oh, God. Nightmare. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. So, yeah. I, I mean – Tim Jones is uncovered in the flat. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, right, let's get to some good news where Evan can start hating on my decision again. Let's talk the rushing game. Because when they run the ball, they struggle. Uh, 3.8 yards per carry. That's fourth worst in Conference USA. And by the way, yeah, uh, Tech is the actual worst. In yeah, it would be God. fourth worst. Come on. Be, be worst or be nothing, Rice. What's wrong with you? <laughs> if you're not worst, you're best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with that being said, though, they they freaking love to run the ball, okay? Like, we talk about we talk a lot about balance here on the podcast, like when we preview the other team's offense. Rice doesn't really care about that. They've attempted 52 passes in their two games, which I mean, all right, that's fine. You know, 26 per game, okay. But they've run the ball 95 times total. What what is that? Like, what kind of? And you're only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Wow, that is some Anti-array. determination. Uh, to, to stick to the ground. And we know that that's how their coach Bloomgren likes to play, but Mike Leach hates this man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's they, like a wanted poster. In <laughs> office. They, they, they do play a lot of two tight end sets, uh, cause their goal is to kind of grind down their opponent and play for the second half. And that worked pretty well for them last year against us as they almost made Nathan's dreams come true. Um, and beat us, but they were nightmares to be fair. <laughs> Still dreams. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they did pretty well against their other opponents too. They, they went down to the wire with Baylor and Texas um, last year as well with that strategy of just like, hey, we're just going to hold the ball and run 3.8 yards per play and that'll be enough. But and it almost worked so far. I mean, they're one and one probably should have been two and oh. Yeah, so, very close to being two so, and oh. Yeah, but uh, before we get into a little more how can Tech win, lose, whatever, let's talk about the defense. Evan, what do they look like on that side of the ball? Like defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean they're obviously they just they're coming coming off a game where they just allowed six points. Um that's good, right? But then before that they allowed forty points not to good. MTSU. So Oh, and MTSU is not good. Yeah, maybe maybe not great. So they're allowing twenty three points per game, two hundred and fifty one yards passing allowed, which is okay. um yeah, eighty second. In the nation, I don't. I have no idea how many teams are playing now. It's most of them, I think. Eighty-three. <laughs> no, it's it's more than eighty-three. You but sure? yeah, they're allowing two hundred and fifty-one yards per game through the air, which is eighty-second, and then also allowing one hundred and nine rushing yards per game, which is pretty decent. That's number nineteen in the nation. But if I remember correctly from our preview of Southern Miss, they don't really run the ball, so maybe that's a little skewed since they've only played two games. One hundred and twenty-three teams in the country. Okay. Okay. Level. So that is that is most of them, indeed. But yeah, I think one thing that stood out to me was uh, that they allow a passer efficiency of 156.7, which is 99th in the country. So I think that Tech 
even if we can't establish the run, I, I think that we should be able to pass against them pretty effectively. You got anything else to add here, Nathan? Yeah, not so much. Most of my research has been on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, the defense doesn't look the greatest. My thought when it comes to that that early game against Middle Tennessee, Tech didn't look great on defense against Southern Miss either. It takes a game to really get into it, especially when you don't have the longest camp and everything. Yeah. So I, I, again, and the next thing they played was Southern Miss, who after playing Tech has looked awful. Great. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. I'm trying to say it nicely, but yeah, wow. that's you don't that's need to fair. say anything nice about them. That's also true. My biggest thing is we just don't know a lot of things, both offense and defense when it comes to Rice, because they haven't played a tested and proven team yet. And that kind of goes into how Tech can win and how Tech can lose, because we'll see how Rice does in those situations against a Tech team that looks to be a possible, you know, conference contender still at this point this year. Evan, (laughs) how do you see Tech or how can Tech win and lose this game? I think we can lose the game by playing it like we did last year and just trying to match Rice in their nasty, gross football style that I hate. I mean, we're not, we're not, and we, I hope we never are a, a grinded out three yards and cloud of dust kind of team. Like that's just not our style. And if Skip lets Bloomgren say, I, I mean, what last year did they talk before the game and say like, Hey, let's do it this way. And it, it would not surprise me. I, I mean, Dude, we're we're a passing team. We're very we have wide receivers that are great. Uh, anyway, I gotta save that for later. But how Tech can lose is if we play how Rice wants to play, and we just you know we we rush the ball forty times and get two point five yards per carry. That's that's not gonna win for us. If we play like we did last week against UAB or two weeks ago, I guess now we'll win this game, no doubt. I mean, Rice is not as good as UAB, and our offense moved the ball just fine against a very good defense from UAB. So I think that, that those are the keys. I mean, just be, be ourselves, right? Don't try to get into their style. Just go out and win the game. Yeah. Josh, what's your answer? Ooh, as a gross oversimplification, how we win, we play like we did in the fourth quarter against UAB and how we lose. We play like we did in the third quarter against UAB. (laughs) Ooh, analysis. Yeah. I (laughs) I mean, that's fair. You're not wrong. We'll lose to any team. If we play like, like we did in the third quarter. Listen, my brain ain't much after that exam. <laughs> or after that UAB game, too busy oh, celebrating. And yeah, I was watching a little on a tiny phone, from it. tiny phone on the cabin in Georgia. It was wild. Yeah, my answer to how Tech can win or lose this game comes down to stopping the pass attack inside the 40. Usually this answer for me goes down to what I'm writing for Blue Tech Blue this week, and the same oh, is true here. I meant to make Tech, a doink Rice, joke. <laughs> Rice has been excellent inside the 40 when it comes to scoring touchdowns. Uh, but inside the 20, they are near the bottom of FBS football. I believe they're top 25 inside the 40, but bottom 25 inside the 20. Oh, wow. So they're like the anti-red zone team? Pretty much. And what they do is they score these 20, 25, 30-yard touchdown passes, and that's how they get in the end zone. We said earlier that they had eight passing touchdowns. They have zero rushing touchdowns in two games. Yeah. all of They've scored 32 points per game, and none of those points were rushing. Really? Tech stops this team. By especially especially inside the forty, by stopping the the I want to say middle, but you're really kind of defending the goal line at that point. Don't let them go over the top once they get on your side of the fifty, and that's how Tech can win this game is just by keeping Rice out of the end zone when it comes to that. Because once they get inside the twenty, again two game sample size, so it's not the easiest thing to just say this is what this team is. But they've struggled if you bend, don't break <laughs> once you get to that part of the field. 
but yeah, that's how tech can win or lose this game. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And way more thoughtful than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they're both, they're both legit types of analysis. Hashtag analysis. I go for the hot take. (laughs) Let's see if we have a hot take here. We'll do our players to watch. Evan, who is your surprise player to watch? Thank you for calling on me first. Uh, Dibs on first all night. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know why. I think it's because I'm the only one who filled out the notes. So probably. um, Well, I was pulling to you because I know who your guy is, and I said surprise player, and he picked the one guy who scored half the touchdowns for the team. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I'm going with the easy. The low-hanging fruit here, Austin Trammell, you know, he's been lighting up opponents so far this year. Last year, though, Tech only held him, or Tech held him to 53 yards receiving. He was second on the team behind that tight end guy. I forget his name, but he he's sitting out this season um, for COVID stuff. So last year, we held the Rice passing game to just 148 yards. So, I mean, if we can put up another performance like that, I, I think that's going to be the key. So, just don't let Trammell score like those mid-range touchdowns like Nathan just mentioned, and we should be fine. Yeah, Josh, you got a player? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to take the approach of uh, picking a Tech player again, and it's whoever is playing quarterback for Louisiana Tech football because it is week 11 of the college football season, 2020, and we still really don't know. And, uh, I mean, my brain says we go with Aaron Allen, but my brain isn't Skip's brain, and, man, I feel like we should have this figured out by now. And I mean, whoever comes out probably gets a good two and a half, three quarters of action at least. So, man, I, I just can't believe we're still dealing with this this far into the season. Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to listen to the coaches show that's that was recorded a couple hours ago tonight when that drops as a podcast to see what Skip has to say. But he's going to go with both guys. We know that he said it last week Christ. before the North Texas game was canceled, but. I would be interested to see if he gives Aaron the nod um, because I feel like he's earned it. I mean, he won us that game. So, mm-hmm. but he, Man. he's still, he's still talking to his credit though. He's still talking about Luke throws a pick one in every 30 dropbacks. Aaron throws a pick one in every 11 or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, that that's, that's what Skip cares about most is ball security. So that may be what we're looking at, but both guys are going to play. So Nathan, you got anybody? Yeah, one player that will try to take down either of those quarterbacks or running backs or whoever is the linebacker Blaze Aldridge. Oh, good name for the Rice Owls. Yes, yeah. Blaze is he's he's playing the wrong conference USA team. To but, UAB. Yeah, I was about to say he yeah. should probably have played for UAB, but he should be their only player. <laughs> I can get down with that. He leads the team in tackles with twenty-one. He also has one of the four sacks mm. so far this year for Rice. Yeah. Well, I mean, baby huh. grubs, maybe <laughs> a baby, uh, an older baby grubs. Hmm. Yeah. He's a, he's a senior. So, um, but yeah, so Aldridge is the leading tackler. And really when it comes to tech's offense, I'm still scared about offensive line play. I realized we had a pretty good game when it came to that and whether it was scheming or game planning or just playing, playing better, but I'm still scared of a, a linebacker blitz blowing up whatever we have and getting to the quarterback before we can really do anything. And we're going against a team that runs the ball a lot and we'll try to keep possession for as long as possible. So we'll have to make our possessions count when they do happen. And taking an eight-yard sack on second down to bring up third and 19 doesn't do anybody any favors. So I'm picking him. No Rice Owl has more than one sack so far in the two games that have happened. But Blaze leads the team in tackles as well. So yeah, that's my pick. Just, Just... As an aside here, Tyler Grubbs no longer leads the nation in tackles because he didn't get to play this weekend. But uh, Max Richardson from Boston College passed him up 
by four, but he has played an extra game. So hmm. well, there's time. It'll be a Breeze Brady situation. <laughs> we'll see. We'll I don't see. know who I'd rather be in this situation. Yeah, one more thing that we'll see is our final predictions. How we think Tech will fare in this game against the Rice Owls. Evan, how do you see this game going? Oh, man. Just showing me preferential treatment tonight. I um, hate you. <laughs> uh, Tech showed against UAB that we can move the ball against a good defense. And I don't know if Rice is a good team or a good defense or a good offense or anything about Rice, really. They played bad teams and they looked okay in one that they lost and pretty good in, a, in another one that they won. But they only have a couple weapons that I'm really worried about. I mean, they run the ball a lot, but their running backs aren't particularly great. And then they have Trammell, who's kind of their main receiving target. So I I don't know. The most talented unit on this field is going to be our wide receivers. And I don't think I've seen from Rice that they'll be able to to hang with us. So uh, Rice gave up 330 yards to MTSU and 40 points, um, 330 passing yards. Uh, excuse me. So I don't see why tech can't put up that many or more. And if, if we do that, we're going to win. So I'm going tech 45, 27 high scoring. Wow. For us. Is that what you kind of see happening, Josh? Oh no, not at all. Um, oh God. So <clears throat> uh, my thoughts were, you know, at least, you know, my, originally it would have been what I would have thought for North Texas is we would have had a kind of a letdown game after a big win against UAB. And then, you know, I think two weeks is enough time for the team to kind of process that, get it out of their heads and get focused on the next game. So I think the team will be, you know, focused and dialed in, you know, still a chance to win the conference. So they're going to be playing, playing like they're going to be playing like it. But uh, unfortunately for Evan, I think this is a game that makes Evan very mad and is reminiscent of the past couple of rice games that we somehow win, but we win like, I don't know. 21 to 17 and Evan is just mad the rest of the day oh man and for no reason at all just it, it's I feel it in my bones all right you ready to hear how rice can beat us I'm not ready Nathan but I feel I feel it coming anyway I don't think I'm getting out of it can't wait for my blog post to be completely different than this rice is so much better than we think they are and we've kind of hyped them up a bit on this show so far but it's easy to look at them playing southern miss and middle tennessee and saying oh this team is nothing really to write home about they just beat two or they even beat one of them they lost to a bad team and beat a bad team that makes them a bad team but they're not a bad team mike collins has been efficient with the ball uh, he looks like luke anthony looked like to start the season eight touchdowns one pick uh, except without getting <laughs> knocked on his butt every other play only three sacks in the two games the fact that he's not able to complete as many of his passes as the average conference USA quarterback, but when he does, they go for huge gains. The majority of his passes go for, or at least they feel like they go for 20, 25, 30 yard passes, especially when they get down near the red zone, but not quite in it where he can really kind of open the field before you get into those short field situations where the defense can more or less know what you're going to do. Uh, the running back who we haven't talked about at all yet, uh, out of Viano, choosing that's how you pronounce your name i'm i don't know if that's right or not but it is now <laughs> he's a guy who's he, he reminds me of what sincere mccormick does a lot of utsa which is another team that beat tech this year and just you feed him the ball you keep giving it to him and eventually he's going to break one he's had a 20 yard run this year but he's not the only guy on this team that's had a 20 yard run the second string running back kalan griffin also has a 20 yard run run a backup quarter plaque playing in the running back position i believe in giovanni johnson he has no throws, but has seven rushes. Aver- uh, he averages 6.4 yards a rush and has a 25-yard run. 
This team basically will find a way to break through for a long rush uh, when they most need it, and that will cause the game to be close. And in close games, Tech has struggled historically, but not in 2020. Tech wins this one by three. Oh, 27. Where I thought you were going. Ooh, I was, I was, I was loading up the chamber, man. I was ready, but now I'm not as mad. <laughs> I was uh, ready to be called into action and predict a loss, but I called a play action. <laughs> Look, I, I hear you about the passing stats. He's been efficient so far, and that's what they were really lacking last season, um, especially against us. They just didn't have a threat passing but our secondary is better than we thought it was and they're getting better with every single game so i I don't know man i think i I mean i I don't think efficient is the right word though his completion percentage is 57.7 which is not high yeah not great definitely in the bottom quarter of uh, conference usa but what he doesn't do is he doesn't put the ball in dangerous situations if it's not there it doesn't look like he throws it but has he played a dangerous team i mean no i don't know i haven't watched them (laughs) so i don't i mean I mean, BJ yeah. Williamson has what three picks in the last two games? Is that right? Am I remembering that? I don't know. Something like that. I'm not saying that that tech secondary doesn't have. I'm not. I don't think they have a field day. They may cause a turnover or two uh, because they are better than some of the secondaries he's faced so far. But in the small sample size that we've seen, he's protected the ball as best he can, including throwing the ball away when he doesn't see the open target. Yeah. All I know is that Evan will be very mad. <laughs> Well, that that is uh, a bold prediction, sir. That never happens. I'm never mad about it. You're owed one. After Sunday Night Football, you're owed one. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That game, I was not mad at all watching that game. That was weird. Normally doesn't happen watching football, but... One thing that didn't make us mad this week, but may have triggered some other people, our Tweet of the Week this week goes to mean green basketball report at least that's their twitter handle i guess their actual name right now is no names please for whatever reason they tweeted at the president-elect joe biden saying at joe biden do what's right and take away uab's football program again america needs to heal and this is a start like the millionaire who said we're going to beat north texas by 30 plus and they're going to impound seth's private jet at shellsworth that is also a good tweet but (laughs) wow man that is a very good tweet. Yeah. Shout out. All in favor of taking away UAB's football program again. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, that was, that was a lot of previewing. Uh, that was a lot of previewing. We'll see how wrong we are yeah. in the coming days and, and I guess months, but that about wraps it up for this episode of the go tech please on die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E. Or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where we'll have some basketball preview things coming up. And as always, our previews and recaps of the football games. That's at gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And I'm a doink field goal. And go Tech. Please don't die. Please. Contest on Wednesday. Speaking of minutes, uh, rice, minute rice.
we, it took me so long to figure out where you were going with that. There was nowhere. I was going nowhere. 